Hey friends, Becky here. I wanted to stop in and say hey before today's episode because I created a little something for you. It is called the go-to guide for letting go and living freely. I know that you have these weekly podcast episodes and I'm so grateful that you're here listening, but I wanted to give you something uh, that was practical that you could have for yourself to apply for all sorts of different seasons um, that you go through. Maybe you're in a couple of these right now. Uh, so inside this guide, you're going to find biblical truths, practical tips, resources, and journal prompts that are going to help you feel a little bit lighter and live a little bit freer. You can find this over at my website at beckymorecacho.com forward slash living freely. That's B-E-C-K-Y-M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O.com forward slash living freely. And inside, like I said, you're going to find tips, you're going to find truths, you're going to find resources. I talk about things, um, whether you're in a season of just feeling overextended or tired or anxious, or you're a working mama, or you're in a season of waiting, or if you're feeling judgy or bitter or any of these things I talk about, I think it's 11 or 12 different things, um, just things that I have encountered over and over again in my life. And that's kind of keep popping back up. Um, and we're always going to, you know, deal with these things, but I wanted to create something that could help you get through these seasons a little bit sooner and heal a little bit faster and find that freedom in Jesus, uh, just a little bit sooner. So thanks again for listening to every episode of we are free. And I just hope you enjoy this guide again. It's called the go-to guide for letting go and living freely. And you can get that over at beckymorecacho.com forward slash living freely. Let me know what you think. Welcome to We Are Free. I am your host, Becky Marquecho, and you're listening to episode 16. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. My guest today is Arielle Astoria. Arielle is a spoken word poet, author, MC, and event host speaker, model, and actress. She orchestrates her art out of this motto, words not for the ears, but for the soul. The heartbeat behind her work is a diligent pursuit of instilling and reminding individuals of their value through words. Arielle has shared her work through spoken word and keynote talks with companies like Google, Lululemon, TEDx, The Skims Campaign by Kim Kardashian, and more. Arielle is a co-author of two self-published collections of poetry, and in 2016, she released her EP of poetry and music titled Symphony of a Lioness, which can be found on iTunes, Apple Music, and Spotify. Arielle, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited for listeners just to get a little taste of who you are and what you're up to today. <laughs> thank you. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you do such unique work. And I'm a writer, so I love words. And I'm like a words yeah. of affirmation person. So like yeah. words are powerful to me. <laughs> But I feel like you exude, you have something so special that even if like words are not somebody's thing, you, mm. you like make it their thing. You like speak to them. <laughs> and I love that about you. Um, Thank you. And I think your job is just so unique. Like I don't know any other like spoken word poets out there, like yeah. inspiring and empowering women along the way. Yeah. How did you end up here? How did you end up with this job title that you've created for yourself? <laughs> um, so I definitely say... 
um, that I'm living my God-given life and not the life I would have chosen for myself mm-hmm. because um, so much of it is um, not practical or doesn't make sense or the way that the things unravel are so beyond and outside of my control, which are really beautiful um, but also really scary sometimes because we like being in control. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've always kind of been an arts, theatrical kind of person. My first love was acting and specifically with theater, like I love being on stage. I love storytelling through plays and monologues and things like that. And so um, I started with that and I've always written. I've always processed the world best through writing, through written expression. I feel like I didn't experience full healing or full freedom in something unless I was able to write it down and then say it out loud or then talk about it. And so then I from theater, I wrote plays and monologues, and I kind of say that I got to step into the vulnerability and the shoes of other people. But then poetry came into the picture. And my senior year, I went to an arts high school, so I was like pretty split from 8 to 12. We would have academics, then we'd had lunch from 12 to 1, and then I was in school until 4.30 pretty much almost every day in high school in the last two years when I transferred, and I did my emphasis, which was theater. And, um, through that, I kind of like was able to be vulnerable on, on behalf of other people and through the stories of other people. And then I kind of say that God like took my journal pages and like blew them out to the world. <laughs> I was like, now you're going to be vulnerable for yourself. And it was so wild. And so my senior year, I was like the only theater kid to get invited to go to this spoken word workshop, which was so random. And they're like, Oh, she writes too. Like take her, you know? And so it was the first time I would written something and then they're like, okay, get on stage and like perform it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I don't do that. Like that, that's not what I do. I write it. I say it to my mom and then that's Slide it. it across the table. Like, you can read it for yourself. I can read it. I'm like, it just, I don't do that. So that was the first time where I was like, oh, that was wild and so cool. And then I got to college, pursued theater, pursued psychology. Cause I was like, okay, how do I take this practical thing? <laughs> and then also this maybe not so practical thing. And how do I make a job out of it? And so I was like, Oh, I'll do art therapy for children. So that was my initial route. And then I started working with college students and I love them. I love that demographic and I love that conversation. And then I was like, okay, what if I don't just do children? What if I do college students? So then I changed my concentration from child life to counseling. And then I was like, well, I don't want to be a counselor. (laughs) And what happens? And I'd gotten more involved with leadership at my college, I'd gotten more involved with poetry and acting. And I was just like, what in the world? Okay. What if I don't want to do anything with psychology at all? Then what? And then by the time I got to my senior year, I, all these plans that I had just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. I felt like something was stopping me, you know, from trying to pursue the things that I wasn't meant to pursue. And you're a four, so you feel those things loud, right? (laughs) Like I would be like filling out an application and I would literally just feel this like halt Mm -hmm. on my, and I was like, ah, like what is going on? (laughs) My mentors. And I'm like, um, do you want me to be a resident director? And they're like, do you want to be a resident director? And it was this whole thing where I was like, why is no one telling me what to do? And I'm the oldest of five kids too. And a pastor's kid. So I'm very much so like driven by the approval of others, whether I want to be or not. It's a different paradigm because I'm also an Enneagram 4. 
So I'm like, I do what I want. I'm a free bird. But then I'm also like, but is this okay? But wait, what do you think? Tell me it's okay. (laughs) Tell me it's okay. And so all my mentors kept saying, like, you're made for bigger things. You're made for bigger things. But Mm -hmm. nobody was telling me what those bigger things were. And so I graduated and I was just like, well, what if I just take a year and I do this creative thing? And I've been doing it for the past five, which is so crazy. Um, And I think that so often do we find that happening where we're like, here's this dream that we have and we really want it, but we're so afraid that it won't come into fruition. It won't happen. So let's put this timeline like, and we tell God you can work in this way and in that way. And by this time, thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Have a great you know? And he never, he never orchestrates that way, which is so great for us. I feel like God, I say this a lot. I feel like God like rolls his eyes at us. Oh, sweet girl. Like, no, no, no. Wow. Yeah. That's really cute. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are you ready now for what I actually have for you? You And so it was definitely that. So I never, I never imagined that this would be my job. I did not imagine that I would still be doing this almost five years out of college. Like it's, it's crazy, but every year just like his favor and just more and more opportunities and ways I'd never imagined keep happening. And so that is how I wound up in this in this sweet little life of mine. Yeah, this is probably a hard question. Maybe not. What is your favorite part? Like out of all the things that you do, like when do you feel the most alive? Yeah, I always feel the most alive on stage. Mm-hmm. And um, like I get nervous every time. And I kind of prayed for that because I was like, I don't want to ever get used to this. Like, I don't want this to ever just become like, uh, whatever, this is what I do. Like, I want it to make me feel something. I want it to humble me every time I step on that stage. And I also wanted to be reminded that this has nothing to do with me. This is not about me. Um, and so once I get on stage, there's just like this space of home and existence that kind of gets washed over me. But then my second favorite part is getting off the stage and meeting people um, and hearing people who are like that line literally spoke directly to my heart or that's so crazy. Like I felt like you were reading my journal. Like, how did you know those things? <laughs> or, or thank you so much. Like I felt so much and I didn't even know how to process it all. Like those are my favorite. The people are my favorite. And they're the reason why I do this in the first place, because I know it's impacting even beyond what I can see and who I can talk to. Yes. And, and that's, yeah, that's definitely my favorite part. And that's what I love. Like I've experienced you, like I've sat in a crowd where you've been on stage and I'm a heavy feeler and I write. So like, I like extra feel those things, but that's what (laughs) I feel. I can relate to what those people, like, I believe that you have such a unique gift of expressing feelings that people mm-hmm. probably have, but they, they don't know how to put into words or they don't want to, or that's just not their skill set. So I think that's yeah. where, like, it's so magical when people hear you, like, you're, it's so moving because you're able to communicate something that they're not able to communicate. Yeah. 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 Which is so, which is so neat because I think that's like the most beautiful part of just like this very divine like human connection that we have where it's like there's such a thread between all of us and that moment of 
connectability or that moment of empathy or relation is just a reminder of like how much more connected we really are. And so I have no concept of stranger danger, like not even <laughs> as a kid. Um, I was always very much so like going up to people, talking to them. I would wander in stores like all the time. I still do. It drives my mom and my fiance crazy <laughs> because they'll be like talking to me and I'll just wander Where'd away. Where'd she go? Right? She's in aisle so, nine. <laughs> she's like literally gone. And so that's always been like a part of like who I am. But in that wandering, I meet the most incredible people yeah. and I get to have stories with people. And I think being an empath and being the person that I am, I've always been that person who people are like, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but here's my deepest, deepest, darkest secret, you know, or I don't know why I'm telling you this, but here's my biggest trauma and, and having those conversations with people, or it's always like, you remind me of my mom, you Mm. remind me of my wife, you remind me of my sister, my granddaughter. I get that all the time. This like familiarity, um, which is so beautiful and so cool but it definitely comes with like this burden of carrying people's stories um, that I just, I just take on. Mm-hmm. I feel that so deeply. And because they feel that connection with me, I instantly feel it with them as well. But it's my, yeah, it's my favorite, just how people's journeys kind of like all lead up to like these moments that we have with each other. I think is so beautiful. Yeah, no, I yeah. totally do too. Um, one of my favorite things that I've seen you write about and talk about and have heard you recite poetry on is body image. And what I love about some of the stuff I've read that you've written, it's not just like body image. Um, I recently read something, I don't remember where it was, but you were talking about reconnecting your body, mind and Mm. soul. It wasn't just like, Oh, I feel comfortable in my skin. It was like connecting all of those things. Yeah. And you were talking about like being on a journey of that for yourself. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So for me, it kind of started as like my body love journey because I grew up like super insecure and I, I never had parents who like didn't encourage me or didn't tell me I was beautiful or didn't like, I I knew, I knew how to have that, but I never like knew how to walk in it. I never found myself as like attractive or beautiful in comparison to the people around me or my body was this and that. And so I felt um, the term is just like super disembodied for a really long time. Like my body was one thing and then my soul and my heart and ev- my personality was all a whole nother thing. And so much of my own body positivity journey or my own body love journey was first acknowledging my body. Um, I, I kind of, I do these uh, body love workshops sometimes and I break down the conversation into three parts um, and it's awareness, acceptance, and then freedom. And that it came straight from my own journey of like, I had to be aware of this body, of what she was capable of, of, um, of how she orchestrated and how she moved and how beautiful she was and resilient and strong. I had to be aware of that first. And then the acceptance of it was like, I accept who she is. I also accept that she's part of me, that this is one entity. We are one entity. And then the freedom to be able to walk in all of that. Um, and embodiment being like a disembodied, you know, is that first part. Then getting to the point of embodiment where it's when you say embodiment, it has the word body in it, but it means a union of all things, a body, mind, heart, and soul. Like when, you know, the verse is like, love your God with all your heart, mm-hmm. soul, and mind. It was all, all of, of it. it. 
all of it, you know? And we're like, okay, we'll give you this. We'll give you this. And, and especially as women growing up, um, in faith-based spaces, a lot of the conversations were around us disengaging from our body or around the separation of like your body is this and this and this. Don't do this. Don't Don't do do that. (laughs) And, and it was so separating, um, which is so sad. Um, I did my senior thesis on, on purity culture and how even in marriages where women are loved and loved well, they can't fully step into this space of, of navigating through their body mm-hmm. and, and being with their husbands. And so there's something about that, that I just felt super connected to you, like in my singleness <laughs> and like trying to figure out like what, I don't think this is what this was supposed to do. And so this conversation of body positivity, especially within this last year, has really shifted to um, a more biblical conversation and a more creative conversation. Like at first, I felt, you know, um, my own um, walk with God, like very much so in it in different ways. But now um, I've really just been wrestling with the the conversation of the garden. And like, we get it, we messed up. We did stuff that like we can never take back. But there was like this one moment of like goodness and mm-hmm. perfection and in this conversation of body positivity coming right back to like the very first evidence um that the world had shifted because of sin was shame mm-hmm. um, and shame in their bodies like the first thing they did was put clothes on and hide and i think that is so powerful because why would that be the first thing that the enemy attacks if it's not a part of like getting closer to God is being closer to our bodies and how we move and how we speak and how we feel and how we touch. And I think so much of now body positivity for me is like, I want to come back um, to that moment in the garden where it was me, my nakedness and my creator, you know, so like, are you telling me you dance around the house naked a lot? <laughs> practicing. It's still Good, girl. Something- Still, I like, I still am very uncomfortable with a yeah. lot of moments. Like I went to an embodiment um, that's called the Sacred Feminine Retreat with Lisa Gunger and Hillary McBride. And that was like part of it where at one part, all the women were like in the barn dancing naked. <laughs> I was like, oh no, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. You know? So even, no, in even my a reaction sh- to it is like, oh, that sounds crazy, yeah. you know, but, but also it's like, literally that's how the world started (laughs) you know that and 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 knowing in my own house of like getting comfortable with myself just by I live alone you know and just like getting comfortable with myself in that way is still something I'm I'm working on you know and I'm navigating through and every time I'm like I look at my body I'm like okay those stretch marks are new you know like and navigating through exploring her and being okay with her. Um, and I've never been a small person. Like I've never been a person who like fit into any type of norms. Like my dad is an ex football player. And I always say that I got his body type because he, I have his thighs, I have his hips. Like mm-hmm. I just very much so built like a quarterback. So that was <laughs> growing You're up. You're a strong girl. Yes, I am. And growing up and navigating through that, you know? And so I actually have, um, a poem I wrote in my, in my book about it. And it, it's funny cause it kind of stemmed from the video I just posted a few days ago about like unsolicited advice, but in the opposite way. Um, 
like this concept of small always being this thing that I felt like I was supposed to seek after in a lot of different ways. I feel like we as women, uh, a lot of times we tend to act small, Mm -hmm. um, stay small because we're not aware of our power. We're not aware of our potential. We're not aware of the way that God is um, intentionally setting us up for certain things. But then also the concept of like all the models are always tiny. We're definitely changing that conversation now, which is amazing. But for so long, it was like, that's what you saw in magazines. That's yeah. what you saw. I grew up looking that's at 17 magazine. I remember it like so yeah. well. Magazine and you have the little, the little, I call them pixies because a lot <laughs> of my are pixies. They're just tiny little humans. And yeah, they're super cute and they just kind of flitter around <laughs> and I'm never a flitter around kind of person. Like I have big feet and they make strong stances. <laughs> and, and so I wrote this poem called Small because I didn't, I wanted to have the conversation of that feeling of pressure from society to look a certain way, but then also pressure from society to act a certain way at the same time. And so I'll I'll read that. Yeah, I'd love it. Small. I walked into a store, found a dress I thought was pretty, and headed to the dressing room. Before I was even able to grab the handle, I heard, they run small. Behind me was the owner, eyeing the items in my hand. They run small, she repeated, smiled, and walked away. They run small. They run small. They run small. See, I I have never been small. And every moment where my body felt massive and unlovable, every uncomfortable teenage year and jeans barely past my thighs came rushing back. No, I have never been small. Not these hips, nor these eyes, not these thighs, not this gut, not this mind that thinks in deep, full circles, not this heart that makes room for more people than there is space for, not these hands that always find ways to hold on tighter, not these words that expand larger than this breath. And most days, these breaths take in more life than I can stomach. I have never really been synonymous with the idea of small, except for when it came for a battle of self-reflections in a mirror, minimizing my worth so that it fit like lost treasure in maps. People stopped viewing as real anymore. Tattered, washed up, we we're not handcrafted and life given to be small. We were meant to love big and live bigger, refuse to be threatened by the small people will try to box us in the same small that we sometimes box ourselves in. They run small was just supposed to be an informed commentary. So I took it, decided to do some informing myself, put the dress back on the rack and refused to be threatened by the idea of small because I was never meant to fit in that anyway. Mm. Arielle, your words are so powerful. I love them. I just close my eyes and listen, and it just takes me somewhere. It's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Um, why like, okay, so 17 magazine, like Instagram these days, like why do you think women are so hard on themselves? Us too, not just women out there listening. Us too. Why are we so hard on ourselves? Um, I think the greatest, like the way that the enemy continues to pull us is to make us forget who we are and to make us forget whose we are. Um, I think the tactic of not walking confidently in ourselves is just a tactic 
um, to keep us from knowing fully what we are capable of, um, which is something really powerful. I think that in this wave that we're in of women rising, of women refusing to stay small, refusing to keep their mouth closed, um, refusing to stay, quote unquote, in their place, um, we're stepping into places. We are shattering ceilings right now in so many different ways. But I think the that concept of getting hard in ourselves are always being like, oh, I'll never measure up or I'll never be this or I'll never do that. It's just this continuous cycle. Like if I can get her distracted for a moment and focus on somebody else or what someone else is doing, then she won't be able to fully walk in what she's supposed to be doing. If I can get her to doubt herself for just a moment, then maybe, you know, I can put a hold on these really powerful earth shaking things that this woman is capable of. And I think every woman has that capability of something earth shattering and earth shaking. Um, but we, that doubt is so normal. Um, I think the conversation now is like, how do we not stay there? Mm-hmm. How do we have those moments of doubt? Because we're human and I fluctuate every single day. I'm like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. I'm not capable enough for that. Like I have that loop in my head all the time, but what I've learned is like, but I can't let myself stay there. Right. Um, we can't let ourselves stay there. We have to be like, wow, okay. I had that moment where I really doubted myself and I really doubted who God is in me and through me. Now it's time to get back on track. Yes. You know? Now it's time to like continue doing what I was doing because like I had the moment and now I'm moving on, you know, totally. um, but we're so down on ourselves because there's so many expectations. There's so many guidelines and loops. We feel like we have to drum through every day to be a woman, to be a successful woman, to run a business, to do things well, to be a mom, you know, to be a wife, to be all these things and to do them well. Um, and feeling like we need to live in this concept of perfection that we're never going to be able to obtain. Um, and that's not what we're asked of. We're not asked to be perfect. Um, we're asked to do all that we can with what we have and what we've been given. And, and you have enough for that, you know, you have enough potential for that. But I think that doubt comes often so much from greatness. Great people doubt themselves, you know, um, and, and people who do great things probably right before they did the great thing, they were like, this is stupid. What are we doing? Yes. They still did the great thing, you know? Um, and so having those moments, yeah, doubt and, and, and sit in that, but don't stay there. We yeah. can't stay there. Yeah. Yeah. For a four and a creative person and somebody who's like super in tune, like, I feel like you, I have a strong intuition. So like if I'm doing something, whatever, I'm convicted a lot. I'm a one, I'm yeah. like driven by conviction. It, I know that you are like, you feel things a lot and like you have a strong mm-hmm. intuition for somebody who doesn't. Is there any like practical advice like outside you're talking about like becoming aware and accepting and then like freedom as far as like yeah. body love goes, but if, yeah. for somebody who doesn't feel those things maybe as much as we do, like, is there anything practical you can say that would be encouraging for them to like step out of that place when they get there or even recognize that place or just any piece of advice for somebody who might not feel such strong mm-hmm. intuition about it all? I feel like being able, I, I literally just watched Star Wars. So excuse me, <laughs> for some reason, the force comes up in the conversation. Um, 
I I feel like this concept of um of being you know intuitive and 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 really navigating through this concept of feeling is. I think a lot of times we feel that we can do that best because we have been in such uncomfortable places mm-hmm. where we've had to feel everything, whether we wanted to or not. And most of, you know, the creative life or the creative journey is a really uncomfortable mm-hmm. one, you know? And so you really just kind of learn how to how to how to navigate through like these uncomfortable like uncomfortable moment, moments really well. Because I think what uncomfortability does is it causes us to slow down. It causes us to sit in the sticky and in the mess um, and to feel all of it. Um, And then it causes us to get out of that season and then to feel what the other end of it looks like. Um, I've always been a feeler. I don't know how how not to be a feeler. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) I wish I could turn it off, you know? Sometimes I wish I could be like, can I just have one moment, you know, where I don't feel everything and all the things all at one time. Um, But, like, even as a kid, like, I've always just been super just connected. I think that's why my dad calls me a hippie. (laughs) Because I really do feel like, you know, those moments where it's like Star Wars and they're like, what is the force? It's everything. You feel everything. You feel the water. You feel the rain. You feel the storm. You feel the trees. You feel the wind. You feel the under. You feel the over. You feel everything. And I and I feel that a lot of times, like this immense, overwhelming capacity to feel. And I think that just comes with listening and not to things, um, listening to yourself, listening to your body, listening to other um, being and places where you're continuously, um, soaking instead of giving out. Mm. Um, like I, I love moments where you just kind of sit there and I feel like such a sponge most of the time. Cause I feel like I just go and I just retain and I retain and I retain at it. Right. And I use the term soaking cause it's just like, then I spill. I don't say I write, I say that I spill, um, because I, I have those moments of soaking. And a lot of times those moments of soaking, don't involve me talking. Mm-hmm. They don't involve me responding. They don't involve me giving advice. They just involve me sitting in that moment with myself, with others, with other things and, and retaining all of that. And I'm a processor too. So I will sit in silence a lot. I've also become very sensitive, even more so as, as time goes on. And as I become more vulnerable with more people around the world. Um, I am even more sensitive than I was before. So I don't listen to music in the car a lot. I'm between places or after shows or, and things like that, because it just, it gets overstimulating mm-hmm. at in time. And so I think allowing ourselves to have those moments where we are just sitting and soaking and being with ourselves, I think that will help us be more sensitive and in tune because that's all like, um, feeling is, is just like this sensitivity to just everything, you know, and everyone, but how do you, how do you build that in yourself? It just takes you more time and, and more spaces to just be, we don't do a lot of that, of just being like, we're human beings. We're not human doings. Mm. We do a lot and we've confused the two. And so I really try to find ways, um, to be more human being than be human doing. And my, my fiance is a lot better at this than I am. Like I'm like you where it's like, I have to do something. I have to go somewhere. I have to do the things. And sometimes it's okay to just. Right. 
And I think that's part of, for me at least, I was realizing this the other day. I read somewhere for ones, it's like, I always, I'm always cleaning. I'm always looking at like what can be done. Like I'm looking around the house. I'm like, oh, we have to do this. We have to do this. I found myself saying to my daughter the other day, like, do you know what else we need to do today? And like, (laughs) as I heard myself say that though, I was like, Becky, like, don't put this like, no, let's not put that on this girl. But so I'm always like convicted of these things. Yeah. Um, But uh, just point being like, I do it to like have some sort of control of the circumstances of my life. If I'm frustrated or feeling angry or feeling anything, I'm like, if I clean, then I have a, at least I'm controlling something. Uh So I know that I have the tendency to do that. So I love what you're saying because I think it's so good. Like, and I'm also like you, I need a lot of like silent space. Sometimes I'll be listening to something. I'm like, it doesn't even, it's worship music, but it's too loud right now. I need to like just turn it off and I need just like nothing. Yeah, nothing. But I love that. I think that's such good advice to like have more of, create more margin, create more space, all of those things in our lives because it's so tempting and so easy to not do that. Yeah, and just oversaturate all the time. Yes. All the time, all the time. And we're constantly bombarded with information everywhere billboards and phones like we are it's just like a constant this all the time mm-hmm. and and we don't retreat very often and and I think it's it's important and necessary and vital for us to be fully you know who we need to be we have to retreat I love going to the beach um at nighttime because it's not a matter of what I'm seeing but I just love the crashing sound of waves um that happened, it reminds me of like how small I am Mm -hmm. and how big God is. Like it helps me feel like I can breathe. Like it helps my soul feel like a literal wash over of peace. And, and those are my moments where I'm like, if I find myself needing to drive to the beach, I'm not okay. (laughs) You know, and I need to go be okay. I need to go be okay. And, And taking that time for, for yourself, because otherwise we'll just crash and burn, you know? Yeah. Do you, Ariel, have any, um, I know you're not a parent at this point in your life, but yeah. being a daughter, uh, you're the oldest child. Um, and you said like your parents have always been supportive and made you feel beautiful. And like your own stuff was your own journey. Like, do you have any encouragement or like having the words so often that you have and not everybody always has the words? Do you have any encouragement for, um, women who are mothers? Cause I, there are a lot of moms listening and to yeah. young young moms, you know, young children to like help encourage kids like on their journey, like even as a young girl, like anything that would be supportive or, um, just encouragement and words that you would encourage mothers to start instilling in their daughters now, Mm -hmm. um, knowing like what your journey has been over the years. Mm. I have a very um, unique relationship with my mom. Like it's a very spiritual relationship, but then also a very mother-daughter relationship as well. Um, And being the oldest girl, super connected to your mom, there's like a whole layer of things that come with that. Um, And I think the most beautiful part of like growing up is, is having that realization moment where I realized, my mom had a name. Um, like her name wasn't mom. Yes. Like she like was a woman before that. She was a person before that, like with a whole life and a whole existence. And so I think in terms of how I see my mom now, 
it started with that moment of like, oh my gosh, my mom has a name, you yes, know, yes. like she has a person, she has dreams, she has desires, she has, I think it's important for us to see that um, as kids of seeing our moms on fire, of seeing our moms passionate, of seeing our moms doing things that they're excited about. Like when I left for college is when my mom went back to school and it was so cool to be like, what? My mom's going to school and she's going to study and she's going to write books. And now both my mom and I speak mm. and it's super fun to like meet each other in an Atlanta airport because she's going to Nashville for a conference and I'm going to North Carolina for a conference. And it's so, it is so cool to watch my mom do what she was made for. Um, and I've kind of always watched it, but it was very in tune with what my parents did together. I didn't see her do a whole lot by herself until recently. And that fuels me to feel less alone and less crazy. And like, she's doing it. We're doing it. Like we're doing this together. She'll text me about booking requests she gets and, and how do I respond and helping her with her social media. Like, I love that. And so I think it's important first, not even like, what do you say to your kids? But like, how, how do you live a life that they can not duplicate, but be inspired to to live their own um, and to live it well. Because like, you know, the saying is like, our kids are going to go and do things much greater than we could ever do. So how can we push and propel them towards that um, and really shake the paradigm of, of how a woman is, is or shouldn't should, or how she should and should not be. We, we still carry those narratives and technically the gospel was started by a woman. Like I could go around that forever and ever (laughs) again. And so because Jesus saw the potential and the power in women. And so when we look at our daughters, like, I can't wait for the day that I look at my daughter. Oh, wow. Um, And I get to tell her who she's going to be and what she's going to do and not be intimidated that it's going to be so much more than I was ever gifted with. But my gift in that moment is to give her everything I can so that she can do that and she can be that. Uh, and, oh, man, I just got engaged. So this is a lot more mm. real, like, talking about talking about talking to my daughter than it has been before. Uh, so I'm feeling that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we're all and, feeling it right now, girl. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that is, like, the most powerful thing we can do is to continuously be they're this rocket underneath them uh, that propels them towards who God has called them to be uh, and knowing that it will be so powerful and it won't look how we think it's going to look and we will pray and pray and even our prayers, it will not be how our prayers we think they're going to be. But reminding yourself every day to like, how can you continuously you walk and push yourself towards who God has called you to be. And that in itself will create an example for her that will do so much more than your words or your franticness about busyness or your franticness about this and that. And that, that will speak to her so much more as she watches you step into the fullness of who you are. That will give her the permission uh, to then step into the fullness of who she is. And, uh, yeah, I think mothers have a really power, powerful, powerful gift. Um, 
and it's super beautiful. And even for those who, who physically can't, you know, be a mother, you're still a mom in so many ways, probably more than you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that gift is not just something that our bodies can do, but that's mm-hmm. just a part of who we are just as women in general is to be able to mother and guide and to nurture uh, and to raise up, which is super powerful um, to raise up women of this new generation, which I mean, it's going to be gnarly. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. That was the most beautiful answer I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Oh girl. Um, Just thank you just for sharing all of it, your heart, your story, um, what God is doing in your life. Ariel, what the last thing I like to ask people um, is what throughout your journey and the years and your career and all of it, your own stuff that you've dealt with, what do you feel like God has set you free from? Oh, wow. Um, So much. I think overall, he this, again, this concept of smallness, um, like that was the thing that held me, you know, that was the thing that I stayed in for years and years and years and years and years. And it wasn't until I realized like your name literally means lioness of God, like nothing about you (laughs) was meant to be small, you know, or quiet. Like you were always meant to roar and to exist loudly, which I really, really wrestled with. Um, but I came to realize that that was God's gift to me and, and also burden, but it wasn't meant to just be a burden. It was Mm -hmm. supposed to be a gift. And so he set me free from, from playing a part I wasn't meant to play, which was a small part, you know, and none of us are really meant to play a small part. Like I love it in theater. There are all non, there are no small parts. Like everyone is needed. Everyone is necessary in conveying the story. And, and, and that is like what he set me free from is playing small and, and who I am and playing small and the concept of how I saw myself. Um, and then being able to step out of that and to call other women, out of their smallness and into their, um, lioness. I think there's a lioness in every woman. I think there's a roar in every woman. Um, and, and what can we do to help bring those out in every woman that we encounter ourselves with? And so that was what he, he has really just brought me out of this space of like, no, I'm not meant to be small and I, and I won't stay that way anymore. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Where can people follow along um, everything you're up to and get more Ariel in their lives on a daily basis? On a daily basis. Yeah. Well, daily basis is definitely Instagram, Ariel Astoria. You can find me on there and everything else, arielastoria.com, Twitter. Um, if you want to listen to some poems on iTunes and Spotify. And cry your eyes there. out. I've yeah. done that. I just sat there and listened to the whole thing and just like sobbed. Oh, thank <laughs> oh, you. So good. It's, it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite albums. And then hopefully in 2020, I'll be releasing more things. Um, so yeah, all things pretty much Instagram. I respond to DMs like text messages. So you can find me mostly there. Awesome. I cannot wait to see what 2020 has for you. And congratulations. Do you know when you're getting married? <laughs> um, yeah, we're actually looking at May, which okay. is crazy. So send prayers on that. Good. It's, you got it. It's the venue than it is anything else we fell in yes. love with. And so we're just like, okay, so yesterday we were like, are we getting married in May? 
we might be getting married. You can do it. So we had four months. We got engaged in July, married in November. Uh, And like it's fast, but you know what? Like it's all good. You got it. Yeah. You're like, what am I waiting for? Also, dating and engagement's not biblical. So like let's just wrap it up. Yes, I hear you. So yeah. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorquecho.com, B-E-C-K-Y-M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O.com. Thanks for listening in. 